Hey everyone, this is Anthony Fleming, Senior Pastor of Church Alive, praying that this message is fresh, real, and powerful in your mind, your heart, your family, every part of your life. If you enjoy these messages, subscribe to it, share it with a friend to build their faith. God bless you as you lean in to the power and presence of God's Word. Come on, have you brought some faith today? Man, I really have something in my heart today that I just feel like God wants to deposit some things in your soul today. And um, just, it's funny. Sometimes you stir yourself in faith, but I've found sometimes that God stirs you. It's funny, you have to stir up faith, but sometimes I've found as I spend a little time with Him, it's like He's like stirring me. It's good when He's stirring you. He's bothering you. You know, in the book of Judges, Samson is actually about to go and get a woman who's not an Israelite as his wife. And uh, his parents aren't happy about it because it's actually outside the law of God. And then the Bible says this very interesting line in Judges 16. It says, but they did not know that the Lord was looking for an opportunity to literally confront the Philistines, those that would rule over them. Sometimes God is stirring you because there's some things that are actually ruling over your family, ruling over your mind, ruling over your circumstance. But He wants to stir you so that you would actually not come under those things, but you would overcome those things in Jesus' name. And this is why it's so important to be a church that preaches the Word of God. Oh, I still I feel stirred. Come on, let me, let me pray for you. Father, I thank you. For every man, every woman within the sound of my voice, God, whether it's middle school, high school, college, 20s, 30s, all the way up, God, whatever stage and age of life, married or single, Lord, wherever they are upon the journey of life, you love them, you know them. And so, Holy Spirit, would you anoint your servant, anoint your son, empower though your people. Fill this room, I pray, Lord, with faith. Fill it in their minds and in their hearts. And Lord, let there be a reverberation across not just this place. May it never stay here, but God, may it go into families, may it go into the streets, may it go into business, may it go into government, may it go everywhere. Lord, help us be effective for Your name's sake, I pray, in the name of Jesus. I declare Your people blessed. I declare them prosperous. I declare them joyful. I declare them full of faith. I declare them, God, Lord, all they're called to be in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, if you believe God today. Come on, can we give the Lord a hand in the house of God? That was a weird noise, guys. Thank you. Grab your seat. Grab your seat. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 7, I didn't realize this recently. My wife preached on this verse, and I'm preaching on this verse. That means we're one. We're unified. We're moving together. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7. We walk by faith and not by. We walk by faith and not by. The title of my talk today is Go and Bring Faith. Go and Bring Faith. I began last week, if you haven't checked out the message, go check it out on our YouTube channel, podcast. Um, I began to talk about go and bring joy. Go and bring joy. We talked about Nehemiah, and Nehemiah was 
a man that had really been gripped by God to literally go and complete a certain assignment and he wasn't always joyful in the process. The process was hard. The process wasn't easy. There was enemies to the process. There was fears along the journey. But along the journey, you actually found out that his assignment was to be a bringer of joy. And I believe that the gospel is a bringer of joy. When angels showed up and Jesus is born, they didn't say doom and gloom to the world. They said what? Joy to the world. And so the house of God, it's, it's a house of joy. It's a house of joy. Why? It's, it's our Father's house and you and I are to bring joy. One of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. One of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. I've often noticed, though, that preachers love to beat up happiness. They're like, oh, God doesn't want you happy. He wants you joyful. Here's what's interesting about that is actually a fruit of the Spirit is joy, but a fruit of wisdom is happiness. Let me say that again for all those that missed it. A fruit of the Spirit is joy, and a fruit of wisdom is happiness. If I chase happiness, I'll get addicted but if I chase wisdom, I'll get happy. And if I chase the Spirit, I'll get joy. If I chase joy, I'll miss joy. But if I'll surrender my life to the Spirit, I'll get a byproduct. And one of the paths of God is joy. And what's interesting is one of the paths of wisdom is happiness. Are you with me? For we walk by faith. And not by sight. I want to teach for a few moments on faith. Sometimes it's important to go deeper than the hashtag. Have you noticed that? There's lots of lines people say all the time. And you've got to say, what does that mean? What does that mean? What does that really entail? If you ever li listen to... Um, you know, the news or politicians, there's always this line that they say that sounds good, but you've got to dig a little deeper and go, what does that really mean? What's interesting in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7, for we walk by faith and not by sight, Paul is actually speaking of heaven in 2 Corinthians 5. He's speaking of a place he's going to go. He has not been there yet. Now, theologians would tell us that actually he is... He has most likely had visions of heaven, but he has not gone there. He is excited to go to heaven. He has a core conviction that he is going. He actually says to the church, it's better for me to go. It'd be more awesome if I'm in heaven in a place of absolute joy. But he says, it's probably far better if I stay. So he says, I'm probably most likely going to stay. But he's looking forward to a place he's never gone. Someone say, that's faith. Now here's what's interesting though, and here's what I want to dive into a little bit. We don't walk around as Christians and have no evidence to our faith. I don't just close my eyes and go, I'm just walking by faith, guys. Actually, if I do that, I'll fall off the stage. I don't drive my car and go, I'm just driving by faith. How many don't want to be in that guy's bus? There is actually a lot of reasonableness to our faith. For it is error to believe that the Christian faith or the Christian simply walks by faith without ever seeing anything. I want to give you a, a thought today that our faith is first reasonable. Someone say reasonable. 
Genesis chapter 1 verse 11 says, Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so. So I don't read Genesis 1 and go, oh, well, I just have to close my eyes and believe that. No, actually, yesterday I was taking uh, parts of lawn that were growing where I didn't want it to go, taking that lawn and putting it to where I do want it to grow, and knowing that it's not going to produce an apple tree. Actually, it's going to produce grass. Why? Because it's grass. And haven't you found that like produces like? Weeds produce weeds. Flowers produce flowers. Trees produce trees. Men and women produce men and women. Monkeys produce monkeys. I was at the zebras produce zebras. Iguanas produce iguanas. Squirrels produce squirrels. I know it's wild. And you're really going to dive into science to believe this. Bunnies produce bunnies. My dog sees a bunny and almost pulls off my arm. But I know this, bunnies produce bunnies. And I haven't even studied that much biology. I did biology in 11th grade and 12th grade because physics was of the devil. And I got 22% in my first physics test. And I said, that's not the, that's not the class for me. And biology, I'm like, oh, I can memorize stuff. I'm good with that. Physics, I was like, I don't know what happened. I studied for the test and got to the test and was like, how come nothing I studied was on the test? <laughs> you got to know what you're good at. Amen. John Maxwell says, in order to grow yourself, you got to know yourself. I grew myself by knowing myself. Get out of physics. Verse 14, Genesis 1, And God said, Let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And so it was so. God made two great lights, the great light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good and there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. How many of you see this? Every day I see this. I've never woken up and gone, bed the sun, it got up again. It's like it's clockwork. Actually, it's not even like it's clockwork. It's actually, it was scientists that looked at the sun and moon and stars and actually said, wow, it's so systematic and methodical in how it works every single day that we will set something according to it. And that became clockwork. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth and across the vault of the sky. It doesn't matter what lake you go to. It doesn't matter what beach you go to this summer. It doesn't matter what river you go to this summer. There will, be, there will be fish in it, won't there? Recently, I saw some dolphins and everyone, we get excited when we see dolphins. Does anyone else get excited? You look at me like I was weird for a second, but every time I go to the beach, they're like, oh, the dolphin, the dolphin. Do you know the dolphin? Do you talk to the dolphin? Do you call him? Do you know him at home? Anyway... If you haven't seen the movie, you weren't in the 90s. (laughs) 
When I see this Genesis 1, what I'm seeing in real time being played out before my eyes, I see the reasonableness of my faith. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion. Someone say dominion. Over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over all the creeping things that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created the male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Have you ever noticed that you've never gone to a zoo and in the zoo are caged people with animals walking around going, look at that person, paying money. No, it's actually we go to zoos and we see animals because we have dominion over animals. Now, some animals obviously can kill us, but how many you know that really it is people that are far more dangerous to animals than it is animals to people? Why is actually the divine order of God? Now, that doesn't mean we just slaughter animals willy-nilly, obviously, but it is a divine order. And I see my, play, my faith being played out on an everyday basis. And so I'm not just walking by faith that is sightless, I'm walking by faith that is reasonableness. Hear me again, I'm not just walking by faith that is blind, I'm walking by faith that has reason and logic on a regular basis. I've been reading the book of Proverbs for over 20 years, about 25 years, I've been reading the book of Proverbs. And when I read the book of Proverbs, I see life play itself out. Oh, you got to read the book of Proverbs regularly and, and, and you'll stop doing dumb things. Do you know that the goal of the book of Proverbs is you stop being dumb? It is literally the acquiring of wisdom, discipline and success. It's really the goal of the book of Proverbs. And so I don't read the book of Proverbs and think to myself, I gotta close my eyes just to believe this because this doesn't make any sense. No, I look at life and I look at men, I look at women, I look at my own life. I look at times where there was self-control, lack of self-control. I mean, one of the major themes of the book of Proverbs is discipline and self-control. I've heard it said, if you do the hard things first, life becomes easier later. But if you have all the fun first, life becomes harder. Listen to what Jordan Peterson says in his book, 12 Rules for Life. To suffer terribly and to know yourself as the cause, he says that is hell. What does the book of Proverbs say? It literally teaches you wisdom and self-control and restraint so that you don't live a life of regret. So there is a reasonableness to my faith. There is a reasonableness to the teachings of Jesus. The truth is the world is a safer, better place when more people love their neighbor. How many men in the room? Put up your hand, man. Okay, keep your hand up if you have a daughter. Just keep your hand up if you have a daughter. How many of you men, if you have a daughter, and your daughter's, say, 14, and unfortunately she's walking down a dark alley, and 10 men begin to walk out of that road, how many of you would start to get a little nervous. Now, how many of you would then start to be a little more encouraged had they just walked out of a transformed men group? <laughs> they just walked out of church alive. You, oh, woo! Yeah, they're safe. 
They're secure. Why? Because there's a morality that gets in the hearts of men. And I see this played out every day. But if they came out of a strip club, how many know she's not as safe? So I see in the teachings of Jesus, played out in everyday life, I see that to love my neighbor as I do myself, instead of just seeking my own, this helps families, this helps societies, this helps states, nations, and the nations of the world. Are you with me? My faith is reasonable. C.S. Lewis said this, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because it, by it I see everything else. There was a reasonableness to follow Jesus. The early disciples didn't walk around following Jesus going, we believe you, Lord. <laughs> you just got no evidence for it. They would follow him and then they would see him heal. They would follow him and then see him open blind eyes, which had never been done in the entire Old Testament. And he opened seven people's eyes. He would, they would go to sick people and he would just heal them. He would cast out demons both of possession and oppression. Possession is more rare, but oppression is actually quite normal. And actually it's an issue. He would see a funeral become a party. And so it wasn't them closing their eyes following Jesus. It was them opening their eyes and being willing to see the truth, even if it kind of contradicted what they wanted it to be. Because the truth was what they wanted it to be was him taking over Israel. But he says, I have a bigger kingdom to take over. It's called the kingdom of God. That's all people, all nations, all tribes, everyone. Are you with me? Paul, in explaining what the gospel was, never said, believe me without seeing anything. He said, believe me, because I've seen. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says this, for what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance. Some say first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and then he appeared to Cephas and then to the 12 and after that he appeared to more than 500 just to kind of show off by the way. 500 this wasn't a vision this wasn't a one-time occurrence this wasn't 12 people in a room hey how can we make up this deal about Jesus this was 500 people. brothers and sisters at the same time. If you were a judge, let's take Fernando for a moment, Pastor Fernando. He's not Pastor Fernando, he's Judge Fernando. He's sitting on his chair, he's got his fancy black thing in Australia. They would, like England, they would wear the white wig. I can see you looking good in that, sir. <laughs> and there's a, there's a murder case and there's a person here getting accused of murder and one witness comes up and says, I saw it. Second witness comes up, I saw it. Third witness comes up, I saw it. Fourth witness comes up, I saw it. And all of their stories corroborate. Fernando doesn't have to see it. He just has to know that they are telling the truth. And with four witnesses, that man is going to jail for the rest of his life. One witness, two witness, three witnesses four witnesses, not 40 witnesses, but 500 witnesses. If you're a judge, you have to say, Jesus rose from the dead. Beyond reasonable doubt. 
Are you with me? Faith is not assumption, a thing that is accepted as true or is certain to happen without proof. There is reasonable faith. Someone say reasonable. Someone say there is relational faith. Sometimes when someone says, I believe in God, what they're saying is I mentally assent that there is to be something that made everything. And if there's a big guy in the sky, I don't want him mad at me. It's kind of what they're saying. That's a good place to start, but a bad place to end. It's not enough to have reasonable faith. God doesn't want you just in the in the land of reason and of the mind, it's not just a mentally assent, I believe in a God. Actually, James deals with this, the brother of Jesus, verse 14, says this, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, chapter two, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace and keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? Verse 17, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action is dead but someone will say you have faith I have deeds then he says show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds you believe that there is one God he's like good even the demons believe that and they shudder There is reasonable faith. There is relational faith. Relational faith is the belief of the heart that clings to the Savior. It is not only mental assent, but a seeing and trusting of the heart that has a deep knowing that God is good and He rewards those who trust in Him. Hebrews 11 verse 1 in the new, uh, I think it's a new translation for everyone. It says this, what then is faith? It is what gives assurance. Someone say assurance to our hopes. It is what gives us conviction about things we can't see. It is what the men and women of old were famous for. Faith is not wishful thinking. Faith is not just being positive. Faith is a work of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God, through the people of God in your life. That's why you need to hear the Word of God. Romans 10, 17 says, faith cometh. It comes by hearing, but so does fear. Haven't you noticed that doubt comes too? By what? Hearing. If faith comes by hearing, but fear comes by hearing, and doubt comes by hearing, then I would ask you this question, what are you listening to? Where does faith come from? Faith comes from the Word of God and responding. It is not just the hearing of the Word. It is the hearing and saying, Jesus, open my heart. Jeremiah 29 verse 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Someone says, someone say, God has something for me. That's an important part of the Christian life. And I actually think it's an attractional part of the Christian life when you go, God has something for me. Now, here's the deal. It's not about you, but it is included with you. It's, it's not for your glory, but it is for your good. He says, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. How do you know you're in relational faith? You start believing that God has something good for you. How many believe God has something good for you? 
God has something good for you. And out of that, you'll be drawn to the house of God. Out of that, you'll actually, you might be watching TV as I was many years ago at 17 and 18, and I'd feel the tug of the Holy Spirit. Come pray, come spend time with me. It was that knowing on the inside that God had something for me individually to do, but collectively to accomplish. And it is so important that we understand that. 1 Corinthians 9, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 9 says, God is faithful who has called you. Someone say you. Someone say me, into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let me teach you a few more things. Out of relationship comes calling. There's reasonable faith, there's relational faith, but out of relational faith comes calling. You might be like, Pastor, what does God want me to do? Build your relationship. Because out of relationship comes calling. Out of relationship comes guidance. Out of continual relationship comes grace to perform the calling. Out of continual relationship comes His voice of guidance and correction. God does not say, hey, I've got this for you. Peace out. I'll see you in heaven. No, He says, I'm going with you because you don't have what it takes to do it without me. And even if you could do it without Him, you do it with the wrong heart. God then moves you from reasonable faith something for me relational faith to conquering faith when God brings Moses he first brings him into himself then he sends him on a conquering mission when God introduces himself to Gideon he first introduces himself out of relationship and then sends him to do something when God gets a hold of the Apostle Paul's heart, he reveals himself always first, and then he sends him on a conquering mission. Does that make sense, Church Alive? Let's talk about conquering faith for a moment. This is... I took all that time to get to here. How many are ready for this? conquering faith. Numbers 13. The children of Israel had been promised a portion. Someone say a portion. They had been promised. Someone say promise. They had been promised a portion of land. Takes them from Egypt. Wanders around the, the, the desert for 40 years and basically takes them to a place where it is God's promise. It is their portion. He's like, hey, Moses sends them. Go and check out the land. land scout it out. See what it's like. How's the fruit? How's the monkeys? How's everything going over there? Are the houses big? Are the, are the lands flourishing? And, and they go and they go for 40 days. Someone say 40. 40 in the scripture is the number of testing. And so they go for 40 days and they come back. And it's so interesting. Ten of them, the Bible says, have a discouraging, evil, bad report. How many know that's discouraging? Ten of your finest. You send them into a land and they come back negative. Ten leaders. These weren't just Joe Schmo from down the block. These were the leaders of the tribes. And so he sends ten. And ten of them, what comes out of their heart after 40 days of testing is the problems are too big. Two of them, Joshua and Caleb. You, many of you would know the story. Joshua and Caleb have a different spirit. It is a conquering spirit born out of their own relationship with God. God has been strengthening their spirit 
so that they can see with, through the lens of faith. They go into the land in Numbers 13. And the Bible says they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh. And I just want to skip on down for a moment at verse 28. But the people who live there are powerful. Someone say they're powerful. And the cities are fortified and are very large. This means the excuses are big. When God has something for you to do, the excuses I found are normally big. Too much money? I'm scared? I'm ill-equipped? Can't do it? You don't know my past? You don't know my background? You don't know my skin color? You don't know my education? The excuses are big. But there's problems in the land. Do you know Jesus told the disciples going all the world? And there was no planes? There was no email. There was no texting. There was donkeys. There was horses. If the Apostle Paul was your pastor, guess what? Your pastor would write you a letter occasionally from prison. Hallelujah. You got one letter. One time, I just want to know my pastor. I need to know him. The Apostle Paul sent the Philippians one letter, but prayed for them all the time. Sent Ephesians one letter. Pastor, I'm leaving your church if you don't. You imagine Paul just ran around Actually, he couldn't. He was in prison. <laughs> Imagine he just tried to run around and make everyone happy. Oh, don't leave my church. <laughs> I don't know where this is coming from, but hopefully it's helping people. Verse 30 says this, Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. How come one leader sees problems, one leader sees potential? How come one leader says we can and one leader says we can't? The condition of their heart. You don't see life how life is. You see life how you are. You don't see life how life is. You see life how you are. That is why I so want to encourage you to feed your faith and start making steps where God is leading you. Why? Because God takes you on this journey of faith. But it's not just a reasonable it's not just relational. It's not just me, you, and Jesus. No one should know. Private. My faith is very private. It's private. That's a lie. It's not private. I was working out with my son the other day. I was wearing a Transform t-shirt. And I just did, like, I think we did do them chest. And it's funny. I popped up off the chest, off the off the bench because I was sweating a lot I'm a sweater big papa's with me he's a sweater 
Actually, he brings a shower when he comes to work out at 5 a.m. club. And I'm like, did you bring a shower? He's like, no, I just have a shower. But on the bench was the imprint of Transform. It was kind of funny. It was my son who pointed it out. He's like, look, Daddy, your imprint. I was like, yeah. Because you're leaving an imprint whether you know it or not. We need some people to go and bring faith. Let me, let me tell you a quick story. I was reading a book called Gospel Patrons. It's an amazing book. It literally inspired me on Friday. In the 1500s, you know, we, we take for granted version and all the Bibles we can have and all this kind of stuff. We, we go, do I want to read the Amplified version today or the ESV version or the NIV version or the NLT version or the Message Translation or the Passion Translation? Like we can read so many different translations. Like, oh. In the 1500s in England, there was no English translation. The Pope and the Catholic Church had forbade the translation out of Latin. So they were so trying to protect Latin as the original language, but so many of the common people and even preachers and pastors did not know Latin. And so there was just a, there was so much error there was so much false teaching that was happening all throughout the church and you could buy your way to heaven and you could go through purgatory and if you went to purgatory someone uncle could pay you out of purgatory there was all kind of nonsense going on but a man by the name of William Tyndale he had this deep passion to translate the Bible from Latin to English now it was illegal someone say illegal it was illegal at the time, but it's interesting. There was a businessman named Humphrey Monmouth. And Humphrey Monmouth was a very successful man who hung around very successful people. And William Tyndale said to him, I was hoping that the Bishop of England would support my cause and help me translate from Latin to English. But anyway, Humphrey Monmouth said to him, well, I will support you. I will literally come alongside you and I will pay for all your expenses. And so for a year, he simply supported him. He had him live in his house and then he sends him off to Germany. And Germany, because Martin Luther had just translated the Bible into German at that time and the Protestant Reformation was starting to happen. William uh, Tyndale literally is being helped by Martin Luther to translate the New Testament into English. And they actually print 3,000 Bibles and they have to smuggle them into England. This is wild. The English language, they had to smuggle them into England just 500 years ago. They smuggled them in and it was a preacher with a passion to do something. And it was actually a businessman that also co-labored together to make it happen. Now the story goes a little further that someone then actually betrays William Tyndale and then he gets arrested, he's thrown in prison. And then he's charged with literally denying the faith and being a heretic. Yet he's trying to help the world. It was against the law. He is a man with a passion, with a fire that he cannot contain, and a businessman that supports him. And he actually is arrested, thrown in prison for about a year and a half. And at his death sentence, they literally hang him. And his last words are this. Lord, open the king's eyes. Because it was the king that declared that he would die. He dies. Two years later, 
king completely changes his mind, sends all of the Bibles to churches all over England, and the Protestant Reformation takes hold in England. Why do I tell you that? I tell you that because there was a courageous faith. It was illegal to do what they were doing. There was a partner in business, a faithful man who thought that his money wasn't just his money, it was God's money too. And I just want to point out to you again, they did what was illegal. Now that doesn't mean go and break the speed limit and leave here and go, listen, I know I was doing 115 in a 35, but Pastor Anthony said, (laughs) no, my friend. Let me quote the Gospel Patron's book for a second. William Tyndale says this. says, Tyndale roared in a loud voice. Lord, open the King of England's eyes. A conquering faith. You know, yesterday I was just doing my devotions, went in our backyard, was reading some stuff. And I just find the Lord is, it's not like I feel like I'm having to seek Him and stir Him. I find He's stirring me. I'll read Scripture and pray and all of a sudden I begin to cry. Because I know there's a roar that needs to flow from the church of the living God. Because if the church won't stand up in this time, when will it? Let me say this. A conquering faith says we can see stadiums full for the glory of God. A conquering faith says the tide of gender confusion can be turned. A conquering faith says New Jersey will not be a sanctuary state for the ending of the unborn to nine months. A a conquering faith says we can see people healed. A conquering faith says we can see people set free. A conquering faith says The giants in the land, they are our bread. They make us strong. A conquering faith says we can have success and character. A conquering faith says we can see the sick healed. A conquering faith says we can see the lost return. A conquering faith burns on the inside for the things of God and says, God, if it's gonna be up to me, I'm stepping up to the plate. We need a conquering faith in families. We need a conquering faith in business. We need a conquering faith in government. We need a conquering faith in the house of the living God. We need a conquering faith, church. And I pray that the Spirit of God begins to bother some people. Just bother some people. I found this, the thing you're passionate about, that's what you're anointed to fix. The thing you get passionate about in the presence of God, that's the thing you're anointed to fix. Are you passionate about business? Like business should be done different. That's what you're anointed to fix. If you're you're passionate about people getting healed, read healing scriptures all the time, all the time. You're passionate about seeing people get free. Freedom, walk in it. passionate about. 
things. When you're passionate to see men get unstuck, Kira, that's what you're anointed to fix. I found I'm passionate about men getting unstuck and I found this, that's what I'm anointed to fix. Are you with me, church? What an amazing prayer. Lord, open the king's eyes. Someone then joked to me, why didn't he do it two years before? Because sometimes God works on his timetable. Well, actually, he always works on his timetable. Let me close with this thought. I had this thought the other day and I wrote it down. And as I wrote it, I started crying. It's normally when I know the Lord's on it. What if in a few years there's a building that opens up for this church and we can't wait 10 years to get in there because there's a window of opportunity that we have to seize it now and there'll be businessmen in this house that say, I'm alive for this reason. So let me say this. If you're a businessman, be fruitful, multiply, be honest, be integrous, be a kingdom builder in Jesus' name. Come on, would everyone stand to their feet? Father, I thank you. I thank you for your sons. I thank you for your daughters. I thank you. I thank you for the purpose you have for them. I lift us up to you. Father, I ask you to stir your people in the way they're meant to be stirred. I ask for those who are wrestling with reasonable faith that you would just affirm in them that you are wise and you can be seen everywhere, but it often takes a purified heart. Lord, I pray for us to grow relationally with you, to grow stronger with you. Help us hear your voice, Lord. But I pray for the spirit of a conquering church in this hour, in this time, that we would be truth seekers and truth speakers, but loving and wise in the name of Jesus. I pray for teachers. I pray they would be anointed. I pray for politicians. They would be anointed. I pray for business leaders. They would be anointed. Lord, I pray for your people they would be anointed now in the name of Jesus raise up Daniel's I pray and Nehemiah's I pray all across this place raise up men like William Tyndale raise up men like that that businessman God in the name of Jesus we believe you for exceedingly and abundantly more than all we ask or imagine come on if you believe it give the Lord a hand come on give the Lord a hand come on give him praise just for a moment Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Eyes closed all across this place. You're watching online. Would you take a moment right now to, to be still? Maybe as you're standing or watching. Would you close your eyes with me? And I want to talk to you specifically. Maybe you're here today and you have reasonable faith. But you don't have relational faith yet. God is not just looking for mental assent. He's looking for heart consent. Christ made you. Christ loves you. Christ died on the cross for you. Christ knows everything about you. And the Bible says He will wash every sin away, past, present, and future. You don't have to work your way to heaven. Man, the good news of the gospel is He paid the price already. You just simply need to look to Him and trust in Him. And as you look to Him and trust in Him, you'll see His beauty, you'll see His wonder, you'll see His goodness, you'll see there's no one else like Him. And as you do that, 
you can trust him and put your faith in him the bible says in romans 10 9 and 10 if you confess with your mouth the lord jesus christ and believe in your heart that god raised him from the dead it says you shall be saved what does that mean it means you shall be forgiven forever part of the family of god so i want us to all pray a prayer and during that prayer man let faith awaken in this house holy spirit draw every single person who does not know you right now can we pray this simple prayer as a church family say jesus thank you for loving me dying for me i believe you rose from the dead i believe you have a plan for my life from this day on help me know you so that I can do and be all you desire. In Jesus' name, forgive my sin. Make me your child. Well, eyes are closed. Maybe online, maybe in person, all across this place. You prayed that prayer and you meant business with God. You say, Pastor Anthony, I didn't know if I was a Christian. I just didn't know of my relationship with God. Would you quickly raise your hand and raise it up high? saying, man, that's me today. That's me today. All across this place, raise your hand. Raise it up high. Thank you. Thank you, sir. All across this place, raise it up. Raise it up high. High enough, long enough for me to see it. Praise God.